Good morning. Um, my name is Brad, and I'm one of the ministers in our network of churches. Uh, particularly, I lead the uh, DFW Leadership Development, which is our cohort and our college of ministry. I helped start this church uh, along with many others a long time ago. I was a pastor here for eight years, and every now and again, they invite me back to speak. More a nostalgic thing than a because uh, they want to hear me. But uh, this is a great morning to talk about idols, which is what we're going to talk about today, because many of us will be worshiping in the temple of our home later, one of our largest idols um, in one of the biggest idol cities, and that is football. And we will, uh, you know, spend money and time uh, worshiping the god of violence and tribalism and civil war and um, competition and all other things unholy. So just kidding. I'm, I'm a football fan. I, I can't wait for the game today. <laughs> Um, now, I'm a Fairweather Cowboys fan, so um, don't, if, you, if you hear me rooting for the Philadelphia Eagles and I happen to be at your, your place, I'm sorry about that. I just, something about division, you know, they're in our division. Why don't, we don't love them. Everyone says that's not a real football fan thing, but oh well. Uh, okay, so I watched a movie this week, uh, and it was Thor, Love and Thunder. I hate the Thor movies. I don't know if you guys like them. Ragnarok was literally the only good Thor movie. Um, all the other ones are just trash. Uh, but I do like Marvel. I like watching all that stuff. It's good. And at the very opening scene, I'm not going to give anything away. Uh, Christian Bale is uh, in the desert with his daughter. And he's, you know, basically they have no food. They have no water. And his daughter dies in his arms. And finally, you know, he prays to his God. And an oasis opens up. And uh, he's so excited to meet his God. And his God is, well, um, not the best of gods. He uh, thinks he's about to be rewarded with eternal life, which is very anachronistic. We never even had an idea of eternal life uh, until Jesus. Sure, we had some people uh, thinking about the afterlife, like the Egyptians and things like that, but that's really anachronistic. It's looking back into the future at something that didn't even exist at that time. But what did exist was this God's response to Christian Bale, which is, who are you? I don't even care about you. He's like, well, I'm your last worshiper. He's like, well, you can find worshipers anywhere. And Christian Bale is so mad at this whole scene. Uh, and he becomes the god butcher, you know, and that's the sort of the core of the movie. This is almost exactly what most people who have ever lived on planet Earth have thought about when they thought about gods. And what the god says in this moment is, you are not important at all. You are simply here to exist to serve my needs. Guys, the vast majority of people, I can't say the vast majority of people who have ever lived because there's tons more of us now, but historically... The idea of a human and their God was that the human was there to serve their God. And that's it. And in ancient Near East, in Mesopotamia, sort of the, you know, uh, cradle of all civilization, when people thought about gods, they thought about God uh, is there basically to be served, and I'm just this lowly, less than nothing uh, person, and the king was the image of God in the city-state and whatever else, Okay. So this is the basic idea of what gods were in biblical times. Okay, so that's, that's your idea. Many of us are thinking that's crazy. We can't imagine that environment. In comes the story of creation. All right? And unless you get this picture of how people thought about their interaction with God, you'll never really understand the significance of the creation story. All of a sudden... God creates human beings, and what does he say about them? They're made in his image. In the ancient Near East, who was the image of God? The king. And there was only one. 
And all of a sudden, the creation story is now telling all humans everywhere, you are all made in the image of God. Okay? And in the garden, which is really the temple, people are given good work, important work, and they work alongside God to get something done in the earth. As this is such a drastically different idea of humanness that it took Israel thousands of years to finally get it. Still, most of us don't even have a good sense of this, even though arguably the idea of people being made in God's image is very much a part of our social fabric and our governmental system. But most people didn't think like this. And when the creation story came on the scene, most people didn't just naturally adopt this kind of thinking. But if we're going to talk about idols, we've got to have this just basic sense of what it means to be made in God's image. Because I'm going to tell you something that's really strange, and I heard this probably two years ago, and I owe it to Ian Proven, and I've always wanted to preach a sermon based on this idea, so I'm going to go for it. Ian says, when you think about this language of idols and temples and things like that, what was an idol ultimately? Okay. I heard one thing, something you worshipped. Okay, golden calf, yeah, that, that's right. It was an image of God, right? Look at the Testament, some image that's going to help you worship the unseen God. Guys, we are God's idols in his temple. Think about that for a moment. And this is what Ian says. He says, we are the very image of God in the temple of creation. We are his idols. Now, that's a little bit of a tricky language, and it's a very risque language, considering how much the scripture is against idols. So I'm going to try to unpack this idea for you to make sense of it so that you don't think I'm a heretic. Okay? Okay, well, thank you. Uh, we are ourselves God's image, or his image bearers. And so while people continue to worship idols, uh, we are actually uh, the best image, uh, or, or Jesus is the best image, obviously, of God, but we are uh, an image of God in the world that we live in. Now, the Jews had an incredibly hard time believing this, as we still do today, as is shown simply from the same events of this week. We've got 20, 30,000 people now dead in Turkey and Syria, a part of which is because the people themselves are not seen as image bearers. Shoddy construction, shoddy government, all kinds of problems. Syria not letting people in uh, to, to give them aid. Now, some of that's because of America's own colonial past and things like that. Again, doesn't, it's not very hard for us to see that most humans still, at their core, do not believe in this ideology. They might believe it about themselves. Sure, I'm the image of God. Yeah, right. But I don't believe it about my neighbor next to me. This idea still has not sunk in, which should tell us something about what it means to be human. Apart from God, we cannot even get to this most basic level of recognizing that all humans are image bearers. Something has to happen for that to take hold in our hearts and in our minds. All right, so idols. Idols are talked about a lot in the Old Testament, ton, ton, ton. This is the whole idea of what we're doing here in this sermon series is bringing the Old Testament to life by telling stories or talking about certain sections of stories in the scripture. So I want to turn to Isaiah, although we're not going to read it, so don't figuratively turn there in your brains. Hopefully you already read it this week. It's like six chapters. We can't possibly read that together. But I would encourage you to read it in the message because I love reading the message when it comes to kind of getting the overall story. 
But Ezekiel has the most references to idols, some 60 references. Isaiah is number two. And half of the references about idols in Isaiah are in five chapters. Guess what five chapters? Isaiah 40 to 45, the ones we read this week. Look at that. It all works together. It makes sense. So there's a lot here about idols and idol worship. And I can't possibly give you a full history of what this looked like. But what I can do is give you at least a quick summary of where, what had sort of led up to this passage in Isaiah. Isaiah is kind of thought about as split into two books. One is being written in 700 BC, which is when the northern kingdom had already gone into exile, and 120 years before the southern kingdom, Judah, was about to go into exile, okay? Northern kingdom in Assyria, southern kingdom in Babylon. And then the end of Isaiah is pointing to this time period where the people are going to be brought back to their land. Now, this is a huge, important concept in the Old Testament, guys. Remember what Josh talked about last week. Mount Sinai and giving people land was their inheritance as Israel's firstborn. This was supposed to put them on the map. And for 600 years, it did. They had one of the richest kingdoms around. They had a unified state. Uh, They were fully living out their purpose in Abraham, you know, the promise that God made to Abraham. But what happens? Idol worship, disobedience, particularly oppression of the poor, civil wars, and a variety of other things lead to them being exiled, being brought out of their land, okay? And most of the Old Testament, particularly the prophets, Isaiah being one of the first, is about Israel coping with the fact that they've lost their land, okay? They lost their nationhood. They lost the thing that was supposed to identify them as a people. And ironically enough, they never really got their land fully back until about 50 years ago. That's kind of a crazy thought when you really think about it. And even then, whether that was God-ordained or not, I won't get into politics too much here. Uh, I think we ought to question it. But they lost their land. And so Isaiah comes in. He's talking to them through this identity crisis they have. And what do we do as a people without a land, without a home? We're living in these other nations. In some ways, they're getting what they're just desserts. They were worshiping all these gods from the other nations. You want to worship gods from other nations? Fine. Go ahead and be a part of their nation. And that's ultimately what God says to them. Okay, so I think that kind of gets us up into where we need to be. Uh, a couple more things, actually. Let me actually look at my notes here because I normally write my notes out, but I did it on the phone here. I wanted to be cool and young. Um, but it's kind of hard reading these really tiny words. Uh, so maybe that's not so great. Uh, okay, yeah, so let me say this. The Jewish people were effectively polytheist. their almost entire time uh, you know, up to really Jesus' day. They were worshiping various gods along with the God. This is the primary issue of the Old Testament. Stop worshiping other gods, okay? And so they were polytheists. They were literally every, uh, you know, harvest that would come through, every new god that they'd find from some land or whatever else, they would be worshiping uh, him in in addition to uh, the, the god of the universe. Sort of like a insurance plan, you know, we'll worship God and these other gods, you know, just in case. And actually we get plenty of that through the stories of the Old Testament. Uh, Now, even when you get into Jesus' time and they've finally kind of become a monotheistic people, they finally kind of believe that all of them should be worshiping Yahweh, the only God, they still in the back of their minds are worshiping not so much an idol anymore in the form of these uh, other gods, but they're worshiping power. This is the main reason why when Jesus comes, 
they don't have the ability to see him because they're expecting a Messiah that will come in power, and Jesus was not that, all right? He was not a God that came in power. I mean, he did come in power, but it was a spiritual power, not a national power like many of the people expected. And this was the very thing that would lead to their destruction in 70 AD because they wouldn't follow Jesus and his um, admonition for where Israel was heading. All right? So that's a lot of history real quick. I'm sorry. I probably didn't do a great job of that. Uh, but if you have questions, I always let questions at the end. So that's where I'll, I'll do the real sermonizing, responding to your questions. Um, okay. So we pick up here in Isaiah 40 to 45. And Isaiah 40 and 45, if you read Job, kind of takes a similar structure. God is basically on trial. All right? And the people are saying, you've left us. None of the promises that you made to us are coming true. We're worse off as a people than we were before. Think when they were leaving you know, Exodus and they were thinking, you know, we were worse off. You've heard that before. We want to go back and be slaves. It would be better than travel around this wilderness eating bread all day long. Uh, never able to find where we're going. So the people were upset with God. In Isaiah 40 to 45, he kind of picks up on uh, this and then begins to talk to them. And Isaiah 40 and 45 is a really hopeful section because this is where we get a lot of our um, kind of Messiah references and predictions and some of those things. Although the Messiah is still kind of an interesting figure. don't really completely understand what that looks like in the Old Testament. So let me make two suggestions as a result of hopefully you reading Isaiah 40 to 45, and if you haven't, that's fine. Uh, we'll go back. And the first point is simply, you are an idol in God's temple, but we aren't to be worshipped. Only God deserves that honor. Guys, we, like Israel, are a polytheistic people. All of us are constantly worshipping all kinds of other stuff. We don't really hold idols out to worship, but we have all kinds of idols. Okay? We worship ourselves. A mirror is our idol. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. Our mind. We worship success, money. Our idol is currency, house, job. We worship power. Idol is our position, our degree, our political party. But when we worship false idols, and this is what Isaiah 40 is telling us, when we worship false idols, we have to ask ourselves, what have they ever really done for us? What have our idols ultimately done for us? This is kind of a tricky question because they actually seem to have helped out a lot. <laughs> When I look at my job or when I look at my, my degree or my, you know, position in society, I sort of think about the things that I've ultimately worshipped seem to have helped me a lot. Um, but one of the real problems with idols, I remember having a friend in college who prayed to his Hindu, prayed to the God of lost things when he lost his wallet once, is idols tend to help us to focus on really, really specific and small things and lose the larger picture of what's going on. This is what would happen with Israel year in, year out, is they would pray for harvest. They would pray to the God, you know, uh, if they had a famine or something like that. But they failed to see the bigger working of God and sort of just focused on the smaller idols in their lives to get things done. The idols were controllable to them. They were practical. They were a, a God that they could hold on to, understand, and kind of have some control over. Um, and, uh, and that's not, uh, not our God at all. So we have to ask ourselves, uh, um, what do our gods really do for us? For Israel led them to lose their land, their reputation, and any dignity they had, although they would kind of have some dignity throughout, but their worshiping other gods had a huge price to pay. So we may be an idol in God's temple, we are his image in his temple, but we aren't to be worshiped. Only God deserves that honor. 
And that's really important, guys. We do a lot of worshiping of people, whether they're authorities or whether they're our loved ones uh, or whether whatever, someone who we really just kind of like their ideas and pay attention to them. We don't use that language very often, but that is what we're doing. When we worship someone else, we take them to be more valuable to God, than God, and we take uh, and draw our identity from them. And there's my second point, and this is the most important one. Uh, I really just have one point. That other one was kind of leading up to this. You're an idol in God's temple, but you will not come to life until God breathes his spirit in you. While we are all image bearers of God, we are lifeless idols until God breathes his spirit into us. If you read Isaiah 40 and 45, there are some sick burns, okay? There's like two or three times he says, you know, you nail down the, the, the base of your idol so they don't tip over. That's about as sick as a burn as you get uh, in uh, the prophets. Guys, we're the same way. If we're not nailed down with some kind of foundation, we tip right over. Okay? We just tip over. There's no foundation. Yes, we have the ability to bear God's image in the world, but unless he breathes his spirit and life into us, we will not really image him fully and completely. Okay? It's not possible. We weren't meant to, apart from him. We only have the ability to image God in a very dim way, unless we understand who Jesus is, and the Spirit is really working in you. But there is good news in all of this. Okay? And the good news is, in, in Isaiah, he tells it right there, I am sending you a messenger to make sense of all of this. I am sending you a better image of myself in Jesus to make sense of you. And I'm not only just going to leave you with the image, I'm going to breathe the Spirit into you to make sure that you constantly remember who I am. And that's the real good news uh, that he's talking about here. And, of course, he won't call attention to himself, but will actually care about the folks on the fringes. This is a one-on-one. will be good news for everyone. It's the Isaiah message that is from coast to coast. You'll be a lighthouse to all people as you have the Spirit, uh, you know, uh, dwelling within you. But, and Isaiah has that ex- this exact same warning that he gave to the Israelites. If you don't pick up on this opportunity, I will make this happen myself. Okay? If you don't choose it, I'll, I'll choose another people who are willing uh, and ready to listen. One of the biggest problems that Israel had was with all of their civil wars and infighting and lack of being able to be an image bearer of God, they failed to bless all of the nations outside of them. They were the exact opposite. Rather than being a blessing to the nations, they were a curse to themselves. All right? And all of this having to do with the fact that they really didn't understand uh, the image of God. Okay, two things I want to leave you with. Uh, do you worship God alone? Or do you worship God plus idols? Some ways that you can kind of think about this. Where do you get your ideas about reality from? What do you spend your time and money on? Things eternal or things to make you comfortable? And then I think one of the most challenging things for me as a result of thinking about this is, are you an idol or an actual image of God? A lifeless idol or an image of God, when people see you, really see you, are they reminded of God's goodness or reminded of a far-off God from another time? Are they reminded of God's goodness at the core of who you are and what you're doing? Okay, uh, questions. I think I preached that a little bit too quickly, but a lot of that has to do with my notes here. I can't read half of them. Uh, so it might be time for me to get glasses. 
Uh, I didn't, didn't do a very good job of storytelling, which I think I'm supposed to be doing. But uh, questions you have about that uh, really quick and uh, odd. Uh, yeah. Only ask questions that make me look good, though, okay? Uh, you, you mean like, um, well, I mean, just the normal human ones, I think. I don't know. Politics? Yeah. Yes, what are some idols that our church wants to follow? You know, I preached this really heady and impressive sermon. Now you want me to make it practical? <laughs> My gosh, it's asking a lot. Uh, hi. Um, that's my wife. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think um, politics is a big one uh, for many of us. And I'm not talking about political party here. I'm talking about being right politically. And we feel like we have to be on the right side of, of politics, as if politics uh, isn't itself for a lot of people uh, an idol. Um, I think uh, many of us who are, you know, doing the job thing, it's the same old, you know, pursuing wealth and, you know, trying to make as much money and be as comfortable as I possibly can. Um, it's, you know, one of the things that's, I think, really tough for us as being young people is being real generous from early on. And I think a lot of us are pretty uh, tight-fisted with uh, how we spend our money and think about, oh, well, you know, later on when I have a really good job, I'm going to really give and be generous rather than being generous throughout our life. I could probably go on. I mean, you know, it's just the normal stuff. We're young. We're uh, in Denton. That's, you know, your idols are generally based on your city if you think about it. Politics? I don't know. No, I don't think about it yourself. I don't really know. I'm, I'm not any better at this than you are. You know, I mean, <laughs> I, we have all kinds of idols. They're just the normal idols that people have. You have spent their time, you know, years and years, uh, kind of building. Yeah, education, just being smart. Our degree, well, generally, just how smart we are. I mean, many of us treat our phones as an idol. I mean, it's our ability to be omnipotent by knowing everything immediately and having control over everything. Uh, our phone is very much an idol in our society. Other questions? Yeah, Justin. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's the tension of Scripture. Um, many of us, right, the question is... Uh, can you balance out the fact that, you know, we're seen or talked about as idols in a way, um, but also we shouldn't worship idols? Yeah, this is the tension of the scripture. As many of us don't really understand just how um, important humans are from God's perspective. Not, none of us really understand that completely. Um, yet, on the other hand, we, uh, you know, want to worship aspects of ourselves that are not even true aspects. We don't have the ability to control things. We don't have the ability to make our own way or our own path as much as we think we do. So there's this huge tension in Scripture that all of the things that make us powerful come from God himself and can only be realized in God himself uh, and not apart from him. And so that's really tough to get uh, in a kind of a day-to-day -day type thing. It's what leads to humility ultimately. Our God at his core nature is a humble God, a God that doesn't take uh, power and um, strength uh, for granted and, and rules that or lords that over people. And, uh, and he does that because there's no need to. He's humble by heart. And we're just not like that. Um, and so, you know, that's the God we serve. The Jesus that uh, was on the donkey, right? The Jesus going around and touching people. You know, why is it that he didn't come and preach a whole lot of sermons that impress people uh, and then get, you know, rise to popularity more and more? It's because he 
wanted to remind people we're image bearers, each individual people, person he interacted with. Guys, this story, still to most of us, is not, it, we, it's Sunday school stuff for us. We do not understand the significance of the scriptural story because we've heard it so many times. And we have it in our memory as piecemeal things. But we haven't connected all the dots. So I tried to kind of do this morning, but I don't think I did such a great job. It's connecting all the dots in scripture to make sense of it. The story of Jesus, the story of scripture is so counterintuitive. It's probably one of the main reasons why it's so believable is because nobody would have come up with this stuff. It makes no sense in the context of a Jewish person or a group of Jewish people talking about God the way that they do. They would have been considered insane, and they were considered insane. But they would have never come up with this, not in the society they were in, not from their history. None of them would have come up with this. This was not a good story. (laughs) Nobody was impressed by this story. When Jesus talks about being the stumbling block to the Jews, to the Gentiles, it was because this story was not a good story. Nobody believed it. It was nonsense. Kind of remind you of something? Yeah, the creation story. It was nonsense. You don't just come on the scene and say, oh, no, actually the king's not the god. All people are gods. That, no, nobody's going to believe that or buy that. Okay? So the story is really crazy, and I, I, I think hopefully, and hopefully from some of the other speakers that aren't me, you'll get a better sense of the story of the Old Testament from beginning to end and how powerful and life-changing and radical it is still today. And you got to get rid of all your Sunday school understanding of it a little bit, or at least put it to the side to see what is the scripture really saying. What does the Old Testament in particular, because that's the stuff we like to ignore, say about who we are as people? The New Testament has no meaning apart from the Old Testament. It, 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 you can't possibly understand the significant of, significance of what Jesus is doing apart from what has been gone, going on in Israel for this 2,000-plus uh, uh, year period. Any other questions? Yeah. Can you state your name, sir? Uh, yeah. Joshua. Joshua. Okay, one of five Joshuas, our pastor Joshua. Yeah, so the question is, you know, we think of ourselves as rational, we think of ourselves as not worshiping uh, idols, you know, so idol worship seems like it's not important to us at all. Uh, for any of you, it, what, for one, you need to know somebody who is polytheistic. If you know someone who's polytheistic, then you're going to understand what idol worship means. It's not like a, you know, all day long, you know, I'm like a super, people throughout the ages weren't, you know, sitting in front of their idol like for hours praying and you know, that's only for the crazy few that are, like, really passionate and devoted. Most people treated idols like, you know, once a day lighting a candle, doing some incense, you know, maybe having a, a festival once a year. This wasn't, like, all day long, all year long celebrating. It was literally pouring some investments uh, or resources into this idol that was supposed to represent some god that I was either supposed to be serving or wanted something from. And so it's no different than how we spend our time and our energy on a variety of, uh, of things that we think are going to get us something and then don't look to God to give us those things or don't recognize him working in the world. We're torn among all these different gods, worshiping the God of money here and the God of power here and all these other things rather than really be, you know, expecting and believing that God is, is going to give us those things. So yes, idol worship for us, 
maybe that's what I should have started with, that would have made a lot more sense, um, is all about uh, choosing things that you think are going to get you something and think that you have some kind of control over them and ignoring going to God for those very things, all right? And we do that all the time. And uh, we're no different than them. We're no, we're no less religious, guys. People didn't just get less religious as time went on. Humans are humans. We may be less interested in organized religion, but we still have just as many idols among us as has ever existed ever. <laughs> in fact, we probably have even more now because we have such a wide variety of wealth and resources and all kinds of other ways for us to play God and worship ourselves and other people than ever before. Does that help a little bit? Maybe? I mean... Practically speaking, I don't, you know, I don't preach anymore. I don't really know, you know, what you're supposed to do uh, up here. Any others before we, we finish? Questions about idols? Yeah? No? Okay. Uh, well, then I'm going to say a prayer, and then I think we're doing some more songs and stuff, so worship team can kind of start coming up. Uh, Lord God, you are our God. You are the only God. You are the real God. Help us bring to light this age-old destructive evil uh, that, uh, that we've kind of completely forgotten about, that we've completely ignored and uh, don't have the ability to see in our own lives anymore. Idol worship, putting anything in your place uh, that is wood and metal and dreams and ideas that in reality don't exist apart from you. Help us to see you uh, in Jesus and the spirit that, he, that you've given us to see the real you, because only the real you will change us and will be able to help us see people uh, and the world as it really is. Help us to tear off the blinders, um, to be able to uh, just experience just your love and your mercy. Thank you so much for being our God and for uh, taking us along with you and uh, putting your image in us. We love you, Lord. Amen. All right. Oh, announcements? Thank you, Brad. Let's give it up for Brad. He's just he's just a little hard on himself, you know. He's always that way. Just kidding. Um, the so that we've got a few announcements. We got a little bit more than usual, so hold tight. I'm gonna move through them kind of quickly, and then we'll be singing another song together. The first is drum roll, please, somebody. Uh, nice. That was actually quite good. So we've got the retreat registration is now open. So you can go to the QR code there if you have not already, or go to DentonNorthChurch.com slash retreat, and that can, you can register for our retreat. Now, we've been saying this date for a long time. We've been talking about the retreat for a long time. We've had nothing you could do with that information until now. You can now register, so please do that ASAP. There's a lot more information once you go to the registration thing. Things like what you should bring, the exact times, all that kind of stuff is all there. Location, everything is there. So please register as soon as you can. You're able to see some places where if you're someone who would like to help other people be able to cover the cost of coming to retreat, there's a place where you can put that in there. And if you're someone who's worried about not being able to come because of the cost, there's also a place where you can put that as well. So don't let those things be something that is a barrier to you coming. We, this is something we started last year as our, as our church to be able to go on a retreat together and be able to like um, just get relational time together, worship God longer, spend time together more, um, and not have the sort of time limitations that we have on Sunday mornings. Yes, Clarissa? No, it's, it's probably something other people are wondering too. Yep. 
It's on-site. That's a great question. So there's multiple options in terms of where you stay when you're registering. They're both on-site, and we have a meeting room as well. So it's there's options for staying in a motel room on-site at the camp and also a bunkhouse as well. So that's a good thing. I'll go. I'll add that as well on the registration form later on so that it's not confusing. But we get to hang out together, play games, worship God together. And especially when we are coming out of COVID, there was such a yearning for having more time than that or doing our, like, you know, virtual church and stuff. And it's just a really good opportunity. So please don't miss this chance to come to retreat. It's going to be a highlight. So uh, don't miss it. If you have any questions or any other things that aren't clear, yes, Don. Um, actually, that's a requirement. We all need to beat Grant at, we're all going to come together and beat Grant at ping pong. Okay. All right. Never mind. New challenger. Now we got to beat Claudia. Um, so we'll be doing that. Please sign up. If you have more questions, you can you can put them on the form as well or ask Leslie or I or somebody else who knows, looks like they know what they're talking about. So next thing is the men's breakfast is this next Saturday at 9 a.m. If you're a student or a non-student, you're welcome to come. It's going to be at the Rose House, 2313 Westview Trail at 9 a.m. Please don't miss that. Um, the next thing also next weekend is Ronnie's February workshop is on Sunday, and it's about depression kind of dealing with your own as well as helping people around you who are dealing with depression. It's going to be really, really good. So um, if you want more information about that, you can go to the QR code here or go to dfwleadershipdevelopment.org and get more information about that there. Um, and Becca, will you come up and announce your thing? Hi, I'm announcing my thing. Is there a, okay, there it is. Okay, <clears throat> so I'm here. Um, Layla Duke from UTD asked me to announce this for our church. So here I am, pretend I'm Layla. Okay, so yeah, this is a, a couple of students or a group of students from Focus UTD um, have organized a, uh, another group called Bliss that stands for Black Lives and Soulful Solidarity. And they're putting on a showcase to celebrate Black History Month. And the show is called Release. Not only will the show showcase the talent of some of the students and pastors in our community, but it will also have stuff like West African dance troupe, 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 West African dance troupe, and a New Orleans style of brass band, which that sounds really cool. So, I mean, like, just come just for that. Um, yeah, those, a brass band is going to join us uh, that night. And uh, there will be singing and dancing and spoken word and a lot more. So um, I think it would be really cool for us to all come out, it's next Tuesday at 7.30 at uh, UTD. Uh, so, yeah, y'all can come invite your friends and family and uh, learn something new and celebrate Black History Month together. If you have any questions, you can ask Layla. Her phone number is not up there. If Her phone number is four. <laughs> What? Ask me. If you have questions, ask me. And then I'll get you in contact with Layla. <laughs> Thanks. I was thinking about the disaster of like just trying to read out a phone number and have everybody be writing it, you know. Um, if you're confused, we have basically, if you're newish to our community, we have a family of churches across the Dallas-Fort uh, Worth Metroplex, as well as we're in partnership with a student ministry that's across the DFW area as well. And so at UTD, we've got uh, a focus ministry that's putting that on. So we're all a big family trying to reach people, students and non-students alike, through the Dallas area. 
for in the name of Jesus. And so um, you, when you hear about events happening in different parts of the Dallas area, Fort Worth area, we're all one big family doing that together. And we like to attend each other's stuff, you know, and get to see each other and have family reunions like that. Um, so the last thing, and then the question can start coming back up, is giving. You can give a one-time gift or a recurring gift at DentonNorthChurch.com slash giving. You can also do that on Venmo at Denton North Church. Those things go to, one, pour back into you guys and relational ministry to you guys, as well as meeting needs we have in our community and being a blessing to our city and the needs in our city. So those are our priorities for giving. And um, I'm going to say a short prayer, and then we'll move on. Lord, thanks so much for this chance to just talk about idolatry and just think critically about the fact that we are so similar to your people, and we are torn many directions and want to serve many things and want to look to many things to provide what we need. Thanks for Brad's message, and thanks for speaking to us this morning. Help us just to be people who really focus on you and really look to you to provide what we need. Help us to be people who just worship you alone, and uh, you're so good to us. Thanks for being patient with us. In your name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week. And you can get more information about that at DentonNorthChurch.com.